very excited. So for those of you that don't know me, uh, my name is Claire and I'm married to uh, this guy over here, uh, Domenico. I have two children, Ava and then Gabriel. I'm originally from Port Elizabeth and um, yesterday someone thought I was in my 20s, which is awesome. <laughs> um, I'm closer to 40 and um, I was also, I was running in the rain the other day. <laughs> yeah, that's scary. I was running in the rain the other day and a car guard said to me, Oh, you run like a young person. <laughs> so I think God gave me that waitress yesterday just to raise up my self-esteem. Um, yeah, so, so this morning we're going to be talking about um, God's promises over our lives. Um, and it will be twofold. I, I really hope that Holy Spirit reminds you of the promises that He's placed in your heart. Personally, um, and we're also going to be speaking about some um, specific promises that he has over our lives. Um, there's over 7,700 promises in the Bible, um, and we're going to be working through all of those this morning. <laughs> um, I'm joking, we're going to be working through 11. Now the 11 sounds good, hey? You see? Um, now you have the time, you have time for 11. Um, I was listening to a Bill Johnson um, preach, which is always highly recommended. He's um, a phenomenal man and um, really has such a deep revelation of, of God's um, father heart for us. And he was talking about disappointment and how it can shut down our awareness of our love for the father and actually stunts us from, from our destiny. And that disappointment can actually become um, oppression and even depression in our own lives. We know the word says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. De uh, disappointment can also distract us from our God-given purpose. We need to strengthen ourselves. We need to align ourselves and need the promises of God. God is a God of promises. So promises are here to inspire us, they're here to bring purpose into our lives, and it's important that we know the promises of God and how He speaks about them in the Word. And it's good to be reminded of His personal promises over our lives. Promises are an invitation to an intimate relationship with the Father. So this morning we're going to be working through um, the Word of God. Um, I almost always start my preachers with how much I love the Word of God and how much I love um, nourishing myself with the Word of God. And I think what's so important is to get a translation that you can really identify with. I think often we can read the Bible and it's not speaking in a language that resonates with our spirit. And um, so I can really recommend the Passion Translation. Um, you can get it at your nearest Kumbuk. And um, it's, I've, I've found it um, very exciting. Uh, um, I now only read uh, Psalms to Revelations, because <laughs> um, that's all that the Passion Translation has, has done so far. I'm actually interceding that he will, do, that he will write the rest of the Bible. Um, but 
we find Jesus um, so beautifully in the text. And there's a real um, understanding that comes and a deepening and a maturing that comes with um, allowing the Word of God to, to, to rush over you. So this morning we're going to be working through uh, some of John. I've found 11 promises uh, just in the, in the first few chapters of John, which we'll be speaking through. So if you do have your Bible with you, um, I'm going to ask you to, to, and I know that you probably know this one off my heart, but I'm going to ask you to move to John 3 verse 16. And this is our first promise. Um, John was a very passionate uh, man. He was the guy that said that, um, he was a disciple that said whom Jesus loved. He had an incredible self-esteem. It wasn't so much about Jesus' favoritism over him, but it was more so John really understanding that Jesus wanted to love and him accepting Jesus' love. And I think that's really critical. That's like really where um, it all comes down is, do we understand that we are loved by the Father? And what does that mean, right? So John got to see firsthand the miracles of Jesus. He got to sit and hear the words of Jesus. So when we're reading John, we're really getting to, to, to hear from one of his best friends. Um, and who better to really understand someone than the person's best friend? They're going to speak um, truthfully, um, honestly, and, and really bring a conviction. So John's um, also a really beautiful book because it, um, it shows us how Jesus turns water into wine. He shows us how Jesus um, heals the blind man. And nothing really can compare to the writings of John. He's a prophet, a seer, a lover, an apostle. He's a son of thunder. And if you don't know about that, then you can write it down and Google it later. Um, the Gospel of John records 11 very special promises. And the first one uh, is a promise of everlasting life. We have an underlying competition with slides at church. Um, winning. I'm winning already. Uh, <laughs> so to, to tell you a joke quickly, not a joke, actually, it's quite weird. Um, I was preparing yesterday and I put my Bible onto my computer and then I went to the toilet and I came back. And my Bible was pressing the number six. So when I came back, there was like 14 pages just of six. <laughs> Which is really weird. And then, um, but also on the other hand, I've been seeing 11 the whole week. Does people, do, do, do you have that? Yeah, so maybe this morning is for you. Um, sorry. Okay, so let's go. Um, John 3 verse 16. So every time I put my Bible onto my laptop, it changes my... Direction, so I need more space here. Here we go. Okay, you guys well? Okay. A person can receive everlasting life by believing in the Son of God. So that's fundamental. And I think we might 
feel as if we understand, but I pray for ref, um, fresh revelation to come over you in really truly understanding. And I think it's, it's different when you understand and actually get to verbalize things. Um, and as our week goes, I really encourage you to actually verbalize the truth of God because then it gives us the tools to evangelize. In the week, if we just have it in our head and our hearts, sometimes it's difficult to verbalize um, and evangelize and bring testimony. Testimony is so powerful. It's often the smallest testimonies that make the biggest impact in people's lives. People, people don't forget testimony. I know that right now you can, you can think back, you can look at someone and remember, hey, I remember that testimony on your life. What's beautiful about testimony is that one, it uplifts, and two, once I know your testimony, I can always encourage you with it later on. But I want you to, to remember to verbalize. I often read the, the Bible uh, aloud because I want to get it onto my lips. I want to get it onto my tongue. I want to move my mouth in the words of God so that my mouth can become familiar with, with the word of God and how it's is pronounced through and out. So, everlasting life. Let's read for John 3, verse 16. John. Hey? <laughs> I often mispronounce something, so I'm always aware that if I do mispronounce something, please don't feel afraid to um, correct me. This is how much God loved the world. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his one and only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish but experience everlasting life. This is how much God loved the world that he gave his unique son, a gift to us so that we will live in everlasting life. So therefore, our spirits within us will never die. Our physical bodies will perish. They will be in pain. They will... They will come to an end. But the spirit within us, the spirit that we are feeding right now, that is everlasting. It never perishes. And to wrap your head around that is really crazy. Like, wait a minute. I actually never die. I'm always going to continue. I can just continue from this space into an, a heavenly dimension, whatever that's going to look like. Our new earth. God proved his love for us by giving us his son. What is it to believe? To believe is to accept Jesus. It's to embrace the promises and the truth that he has over our lives. It's a union with the word. And it's an inner confidence that Christ alone is enough. That Christ alone is enough. Jesus will quench our thirst too. Jesus will quench our thirst. This is John 7, 37. So we're going from 3 to 7. It says, yeah. Then on the most important day of the feast, remember the last day of the feast, remember how you feel at the end of Christmas lunch and the end of the feast. Just go to that, that feeling right now. It's normally situated over here. It's the last day of the feast. This is the Feast of Tabernacles. 
Jesus stood and shouted out to the crowds, All who are thirsty, all you thirsty ones, come to me. So he's shouting out to the crowds, All you thirsty ones, come to me. So you're you're feeling pretty full. So imagine this question, wait a minute, I'm full, but what are you talking about thirsty? This must be something different. This must be a spiritual thirst. All you thirsty ones come to me. Come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing from your innermost being, just like scripture says. So the second promise we're talking about today is that Jesus will quench your thirst. If you're feeding a, a sense of dissatisfaction, even in a world that's trying so desperately to satisfy your needs, it's only Jesus that's going to quench your thirst. Only Him. And how I love, He says, come and drink. And then He says, yeah. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst within you. So he's saying, even a little drink, a river will burst within you. Out of the wounded side of Jesus, living water flowed. That water flowed to bring healing. That water flowed to bring salvation. That water flowed to bring life. By following Jesus, this is the third one. We're moving through this quickly. It says, John 8, verse 12. How these slides? <laughs> okay, by following Jesus, we will not walk in darkness. This is John 8, verse 12. The promise here is that when we are living with Christ, we will always live in the light. Then Jesus said, I am. So in John, John also, um, he speaks of, of, of Jesus actually declaring that he is God, which is a very scandalous um, statement in this time and era when Jesus was walking. To go around and to declare that you are God is going to cause a little havoc. Um, but he's saying here to his disciples, I am I am God, light to the world, and those who embrace me will experience life-giving light, and they will never, that never is a double negative, so they will never walk in darkness, never, never, never will you walk in darkness, that is the promise that Christ is giving you, that when you obey him, and when you're living in his, in his, in his, in his goodness, and you are never going to walk in in darkness, you're going to live in the light. So yesterday, uh, I'll quickly tell you a story. <coughs> we, our mic- microwave is broken and it doesn't rotate. And Don likes to warm his glass up before he drinks his espresso. He has three espressos every day, and this was his lunchtime espresso. And <laughs> it's making you. Oh, it's lovely. Um, and so he put his glass, without anything in it, into the microwave that doesn't rotate. And it was very quick, a um, couple seconds, and he opens the microwave, and the glass is glowing. It's literally glowing. But I don't know who he thinks he is, but he goes and he picks the glass up, and it was cold here, but it was glowing there. And he, says, he calls me, he says, come look here, this glass is melting. Um, it was 
such a penetration into the one spot that the glass actually melted. And I said to him, let's get scientific. And we both laughed because we're, we, we both cannot get scientific, you know? <laughs> There's no way that we can get scientific together. Um, only Siri can help us get scientific, but um, which, which we did, we Googled. What did you say? It was, how hot does it have to be to melt? Hmm? 1,500 degrees. 1,500 degrees Celsius to actually melt glass, and that's what was happening there. It's just so scary how important it is for a microwave to rotate. Um, but that is the intensity of the love of God in our lives. How brilliant is that? As He shines His light on us, we are, we are then just, okay, one, we're going to melt in His goodness. Two, we're going to experience His warmth. Three, darkness has to flee. If I know about you, but I know that I need Jesus' light in my life. More than ever, we need Jesus' light in our lives. Okay, next one, number four. The promise that we are set free. This is John 8, verse 31. Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. So when we embrace everything that Christ is teaching us, we prove that we love him. For if you embrace the truth, it will release more freedom into your lives. Um, So, and this is just jumping to 36. So if the son sets you free from sin, then become a true son and be unquestionably free. We are unquestionably free. There's no doubt we live in complete freedom. We are free from our past. We are free from our sin and we're free from religion. And this is an ongoing unbonding <laughs> that we have to go through. I think when Christ comes and he lives inside of us, we are set free. But there's a continual walk of more and more freedom as he sets us free from bondage. When Jesus was speaking here, Jesus was speaking these words to those who are not yet fully free. Victory becomes part of our story. So we we can so easily stay in the comfort of of our bondage because it is so comfortable to be in bondage. Um, But when we are courageous enough to, to take that step into victory, What I love about that is that we can then so easily say to the Father, and right now I think it's so good for us, so easily say to the Father, Father, what victories have you accomplished in my life? Because that then becomes your call. That then becomes your purpose. That then becomes your destiny. Those things that you have victory over in your own lives become your call, your purpose. It's so simple. What has Christ done in me? What is it accomplished personally in me? Then that becomes my gift to you. Don't undermine the victories that you've accomplished. It's taken you and Jesus to do that. Sometimes I think we can give Jesus too much credit. 
for some of the victories in our lives, because it takes two to tango. We are face to face with him. Let's get in the ring with him. Okay, so five. Are we there yet? Yeah. Number five. The promise of honor. I love how honoring the father is. Um, I remember living in my wayward world and coming back to the father and I thought that he was going to lambaste me in front of all of my friends and bring out all the things that I had been doing <laughs> and name and shame me. But it was the opposite. He was so tender towards me and so loving and so gracious and it was that love that drew me closer. It's that love that draws us closer to him. So we read John 12, 26. The person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But those who detach their life from the world and abandon himself to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. If you want to be my disciple, follow me and I will go where, sorry, follow me, and you will go where I am going. And if you truly follow me and my disciples, the Father will show, shower his favor upon your life. Sorry, I was reading that and thinking about something else, so it came up. 1226. So just remember my translation is different. A person who loves his life and pampers him, himself will miss true life. We were talking about it, this actually, I was, we were chatting um, with Sarah about how, it, how I'm so grateful I actually live in a first world country, a third world country, because I get to um, understand what it means to be in pain and loss and poverty. And even though that is not what, what, what God is about, he wants to be bringing us out of those things, I think it is a beautiful lesson that, that we as South Africans have really caught hold of. And that is that there's a dependency on the Father. That sometimes in a first world country, they don't get because all of their needs are already met. The Father will shower his favor in your life. I'm so prosperity preaching. I'm so for it. Because it says it right here. <laughs> I'm so for it. His favor and his honor is upon you. And that's the place that we live from. Hey? The promise is that God will honor those who follow him. The promise is the Lord will shower his favor over you. Number six. John fourteen twelve. Greater miracles. Iric <laughs> Greater miracles. Where is it? Oh, it's up there now. Um, yes, fourteen twelve. The promise here is that we will do greater things than he. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. So loving me 
obeys, <laughs> empowers you to be, obeys my, obey my commands. So first is the call to love, and then there's the natural call of obedience. It's always out of love that obedience comes. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be with you. I wonder if this is the right one. Just give me a second. Okay, this is the Holy Spirit one. Oh, I'm reading 15. Thank you. 14, 12. Here we go. I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles than I do, even greater miracles than these, because I go to my Father. So here we have Jesus the night before the crucifixion, and he's busy discussing things with his disciples. He's, he's kind of preparing them. He's, he's speaking some last truths into their lives. He's encouraging them. And this statement comes from that. He's saying, you know what, guys? You're going to be doing greater things than I have done. And this might have boggled them because, okay, he hadn't died yet. But we cannot do anything greater than what Jesus has done. Full stop. Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he's brought us into um, a righteous relationship with him. So we, we, we cannot do greater than him. But I think that what he was meaning here is that to the extent. So Jesus, from what we know, didn't leave Palestine. He kind of moved around. When you think of Billy Graham, Billy Graham, he, he traveled the world. You think of Paul, Paul evangelized the Mediterranean world during his time. So to the extent we're going to do greater things. Remember that he only had three years of ministry. He did a lot in those three years though. But what a call of encouragement. He's saying, on my ceiling you will stand. What an encouraging leader. What a servant heart. And that's what it means to serve. It's saying, it's saying I'm going to bend down and wash your feet. That's the honoring relationship that Jesus has, has with us. He's like, go and run. You're going to do greater things than I. Go. Do we believe that? And what are those greater things in our lives? It's in the intimacy that you have with Christ that reveals the impact of your life. It's one of those spiritual laws. It's in the intimacy that you have with Christ that's going to result in the impact that you have in your own life and to those lives around you. It's in those intimate, devoted time that we have with the Father that's going to strengthen us. Seven, Holy Spirit. How do you see the Holy Spirit? I remember, I can't remember where it was, but someone, I think it was during one of my sozos, they asked, um, how do you picture the Holy Spirit? It was like through his um, counseling. Um, how do you actually picture the Holy Spirit? Is he, you know, is he an animal? Is he a light? Is he a child? Um, 
and I actually saw him as a child dancing with me on the beach. Um, the Holy Spirit kind of bringing out this playful, safe side of me. Um, when a child is in the room, there's a, a sense that your, your guards are down. Um, there's no um, expectation. Unless you're afraid of it, which is sometimes the case. <laughs> um, but I saw this picture and I thought um, the Holy Spirit could be the leopard, cheetah. Um, Holy Spirit could be a cheetah in my life, definitely. Um, so we're reading from John fourteen fifteen. John fourteen fifteen. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. This is what we spoke just now. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me. He will never leave you. Holy Spirit. The Greek word that's used here is parakletos, which uh, in... in, um, in other words, it's translated defense attorney. Holy Spirit is like a defense attorney for us. It means that he will stand next to you as a helper. Helper. Various translations use counselor, comforter, advocate, encourager, intercessor, helper. Holy Spirit comes to protect, defend, save us from ourselves. He's the one that's speaking to us. He's that voice that you hear speaking to you, saving you from yourself, making those, those decisions, those good ones, and ushering you away from the bad ones. He's the one that guides and defends, comforts and consoles. Keep in mind that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. Holy Spirit's not a baby Jesus or a baby God. <laughs> Holy Spirit is God. And he is a promise in our lives. Number eight. Those who keep Jesus' commands will be loved by both him and God the Father. The promise here is that God passionately loves you. This is John 14, 21. Those who truly love me are those who obey my commands. Whoever passionately loves me will be passionately loved by the Father, and I will passionately love you in return and will manifest my life within you. One of my favorite words growing up was passion. I don't know if it was big in, big in your life, but um, it was a big word. In the 19s. 1995. Passion. Passion. I'm so passionate about you. Um, so passionate about Jesus. Um, and it's a word I want to bring back. Um, are we truly passionate? Are we firing up for the Father? Are we living just this mediocre life where we come into church and we're doing life? Are we truly um, in love? That, you know, that first love that you, you, you have with your boyfriend in 7-1. And there's like, there's this passion. It's this uncontrollable sense of wanting to be close to this person. 7-1. Yeah, yeah. 7-1. It's where it starts. We start feeling this passion for this person. And um, you get that love letter, will you be my girlfriend? Tick the box, yes or no. Um, 
You remember those, or maybe. Yeah, yes, no, or maybe. And then you don't pass it to the boy or the girl, you pass it to the friend of the boy or the girl, and then they pass it to the boy or the girl. Um, but there's a passion, I think, that we, we lose. Because, especially as adults, we have to hold it together. Don't show too much emotion. Don't go high and low. You know? And, yeah, I, <laughs> I remember years ago, um, Gaz actually said to me, it's like, oh, you like fire, you like passion. And, and um, I think that it, 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 the other day he, he said something which is, it was a little bit opposite to that for me, but it wasn't, as, it wasn't meaning as condemnation. He was just like, oh, you were so, your preacher was so, like, um, calm. And I was thinking, whoa, I don't want to be calm. <laughs> I wasn't made to be calm, I was made to be passionate. And I need, I need, I need to be okay with being passionate. And I need to be okay with you being okay with that. Um, we need to be uh, fiery and passionate and in love with the Father. And that's what I really pray for you, that your belly will burn with the love of God inside of you. Because love will unlock his mysteries. Love unlocks a curiosity. You know when you're in love with someone, you just want to know everything about them. Tell me everything about you. You know, and you could just sit there, gaze into their eyes as they speak about their lives. And, 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 and that's how we want our relationship to be with the Father. You want, him to, you want to sit and just gaze into His eyes and let Him speak His goodness in you. So I really pray right now that you will start feeling a sense of real burning within your belly. A love that will be passionate. Yeah. Um, so as we love Jesus, our hearts are unlocked to see more of his beauty and his glory. Yeah. Okay, let's move to nine. Jesus leaves his gift of peace with us. So the promise here is his gift of peace. And this is John 14, 27. I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world, but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear to be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. It's so beautiful how I love how there's always an exchange with God. There's always this exchange, an exchange from anxiety for peace. A change from our exchange from our burdens to something that is light. An exchange for for trust with Him. And he will come through for us. An exchange of obedience to the Father and him honoring us. There's always an exchange happening with the Father. Yeah, I really pray that he also reminds you today of what within your within you needs an exchange with him. What is disrupting your spirit? that needs an exchange with the Father. Number 10, almost done. Promise that we abide and will be fruitful. It annoys me a little bit that that's like, does it annoy you? Fruitful. Okay, is it fun? Yeah, fruitful. Um, those who abide in Jesus will be fruitful. 
The promise here is to abide in him and you will be fruitful. John 15, 5. John 15, 5. I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. I think we know that we are abiding in Christ when we actually see fruit in our lives. Where you see his his joy and his peace and his goodness and his patience and his faithfulness and these things uh, coming forth from us. We know that we are abiding in him. I want to break any, any limitations or holds of your own life. If you've been capping God or afraid of stepping closer and having more, I would encourage you to, to, to dive deeper. I think in this life there's, there are so many limitations to, to our own bodies, especially when you get older, there are limitations. And it's a limitation to the amount of money that we're getting at the end of the month, or even though God does provide and he extends that, I just want you to go with me here for purpose of my analogy. But I want God to start breaking the limitations that you are actually capping on yourself. Your own you know, spiral of sickness, own, this is how much I'm getting at the end of the month. You know, let God do something wonderful with that. His promise is that when you abide in him, you will be fruitful and you will live a nourished and joyful life. Nourished and joyful. Another great word, nourished. Love to be nourished by the Father. And then the last one, number 11, the last of the 11 promises that a person can be Christ's friend. We are a friend of Christ. One of Ava's favorite songs. How's that song going? I have a friend in Jesus. Jesus is my friend. Do you know that song? We'll put it on the weekly mail. Hello, friendly Jesus. She asked, you like that song, hey? <laughs> oh, sorry, I must talk to him. Um, but there's obviously something that resonates within her, something that she can relate with. You know, I have a friend in Jesus. As a child, there's really something that, that resonates with them. The promise here is an intimate friendship with Christ. Intimate friendship with Jesus. What does that mean to to have an intimate friendship with, with Jesus. So you're reading John 15, verse 14. John 15, verse 14. You show me... I disrupted the apple cart here. You show me that you are my intimate friends when you obey all that I command you. So yeah, he's talking about... And then he goes on, he says, I've not called you to be servants, but he's called us to be intimate friends with him. Yeah. And the, the Greek word, yeah, it indicates if you keep on obeying within a habit. So friendship is, is a habit that is formed. 
I've been having these dreams about um, about uh, Jen. <laughs> How um, so? I I never really grew up with with close friends. I was quite guarded in my own life, and um, so. I think now that I'm, I'm maturing a bit, I'm actually starting to allow people to to be a fr- like a friend of mine. And um, in the last two weeks, I've had a dream of of that's I love you, my baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've had this, this dream of, of one way we were out in a hotel in uh, Mozambique, as you do in dreams, and um, she, we were sharing, our, um, we were at a hotel and our, our, our bedrooms were next door to each other, and she ran into my bedroom and she flung herself onto my bed and she just started laughing and laughing and laughing. And it might sound like that's so simple, but for me, I felt like she was coming into my space. She felt comfortable enough to jump into my bed and she was laughing, which meant that she was happy to be with me. And um, the dream that I had last night was also a bed dream um, where, where um, we were at this big camp and I came late and I didn't have a bed. And then she said to me, don't worry, come you can lie in my bed and share a bed together. And um, which is also to me like um, such a sense of um, like acceptance. Like I'm being accepted by this person. Um, and for me personally, it's a vulnerable thing for me to talk about. I remember when I told um, Jenna's dream, I was like so super awkward. It's easier for me to tell you than it was to tell her on that day. I was like really awkward. Um, <laughs> You know, it's like back in zero one, and you're saying, "Will you be my friend?" Um, yeah. Uh, thanks, thanks, Jane. Um, no, hey. <laughs> it's kind of Mozambique. Actually, it wasn't Mozambique. It was Mauritius. It was Mauritius. Yeah. Yeah, it's all good in Mauritius. See now, right? Okay. Um, but Jesus calls us to this close, intimate relationship like a best friend. And I think if you, I, he's also teaching you what that means. Because I never really had a best friend growing up, because I was guided, I never understood God as a best friend. I knew him as a father. And it's good for us to, to have relationships so that we can understand what he means when he talks about these things. And I really hope that you've had best friends so you can think about what does that mean, that the closeness, that knowing, that safe place, that enjoying of each other, that calling out the best in one another, that being yourself, that if I say something silly or if we don't say anything at all, that I am I'm loved. Are we good? So who remembers all 11? Get a free coffee at the field office next week. Anyone remember all 11? Okay, so we start off with number one. It's not okay. Everlasting life. Oh, sorry. That we have everlasting life with the Father too. I promise that Jesus will quench your thirst. That he is the light of the world. 
that he will set us free, that he will honor us, that we will do great miracles of he, that he will give us the Holy Spirit, that he will love us, that he will give us his peace, that we will be fruitful, that he will be our friend. Okay? Be happy. Okay, let's stand.